السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ بخاری It stays written in our books, right? And then what happens is that we are confused about a matter, so we have to go check our book, open it up, or we have to ask somebody else about it. So this is a huge blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that as we are learning about this, we also get to bring it into our action, inshaAllah. So we will continue from bab number 21. نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم اهد قلبي وسدد لساني واسلل سخيمة قلبي آمين يا رب العالمين So we did the first hadith of bab number 21 bab fadli man ta'arra min al-layl fa salla the virtue the excellence of the person who wakes up in the night and then when he wakes up he performs prayer and we read the first hadith now inshallah we will study the second hadith in this chapter which is haddathana yahya ibn bukairin qala haddathana al-layth an yunus an ibn shihab akhbarani al-haytham ibn abi sinan annahu sami'a aba hurayrata radiyallahu anhu so haytham bin abi sinan said that he heard from abu hurayra radiyallahu anhu while wa huwa yaqsusu while he was narrating meaning Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu was narrating fi qisasihi in his stories meaning while Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu was telling them about a story he mentioned wa huwa yadhkuru rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he mentioned in his stories the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam so in other words abu huraira was telling the people of a certain incident about the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and while he was narrating that incident he said that inna akhalakum la yaqulu arrafas that indeed your brother does not say arrafas what does arrafas mean lewd indecent language All right. So he said that your brother does not say that. And what does he mean by brother? Yarni, he meant bidalika by that Abdullah ibn Rawaha, Abdullah bin Rawaha radiyallahu anhu. So he's saying while mentioning one of his stories that your brother does not say lewd speech. Meaning Abdullah bin Rawaha does not say lewd speech. Now who is Abdullah bin Rawaha he's one of the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so Abu Hurairah radhiyallahu anhu is kind of defending him here all right and he's defending his speech why because Abdullah bin Rawaha radhiyallahu anhu he was a poet 
and he would say poetry. And what happens is that, uh, you know, in the Qur'an, for example, we learn about the shu'ara, about the poets, that many of them are liars, and many of them, uh, you know, they, they enter into matters, or they start talking about matters that they don't have much knowledge of. And then we see that the Prophet ﷺ, about him is mentioned that he is not a poet, right? So, in a cursory view, it seems as if poetry is not that good, right? It's not that good. However, we learn that there is nothing wrong with poetry that is good in its meaning. As long as it is not lewd, as long as it is not incorrect, meaning the content, the message, it is perfectly fine. So beautiful poetry is like beautiful speech. All right, Just like general speech, as long as it's not lewd, as long as it's not indecent, it's fine. You can talk. You can hear other people talk. Right? The same goes for poetry. Right? So he's defending Abdullah bin Rawaha here, and then he mentions the poetry of Abdullah bin Rawaha. What is his poetry? That وَفِينَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ يَتْلُو كِتَابَهُ إِذَا شَقَّ مَعْرُوفٌ مِنَ الْفَجْرِ سَاطِعُ أَرَانَ الْهُدَى بَعْدَ الْعَمَى فَقُلُوبُنَا بِهِ مُوقِنَاتٌ أَنَّمَا قَالَ وَاقِعُ يَبِيتُ يُجَافِ جَنْبَهُ عَنْ فِرَاشِهِ إِذَا اسْتَثْقَلَتْ بِالْمُشْرِكِينَ الْمَضَاجِعُ Alright, so he's mentioning the poetry of Abdullah bin Rawaha. What is the meaning of this poetry? Let's look at the first statement. He's saying, وَفِينَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ يَتْلُو كِتَابَهُ Amongst us is the Messenger of Allah who recites Allah's book. إِذَنْ شَقَّ مَعْرُوفٌ مِّنَ الْفَجْرِ سَاطِعُ And he recites it as إِذَنْ شَقَّ مَعْرُوفٌ In شَقَّ, it splits open. مَعْرُوفٌ, what is well known. And what is well known, min al-fajri, the time of fajr. So, sati'u, shining. In other words, he's saying that the Prophet recites the book of Allah as the sun appears shining at daybreak. Meaning he recites the Qur'an in the early hours of the morning. Meaning at the time of fajr. And we know that in Salatul Fajr, the Prophet ﷺ recited a large portion of the Qur'an. Right? Meaning his recitation in Fajr was not short, it was long. So he's mentioning that. And then he says, The Messenger of Allah has shown us guidance after blindness. Meaning we were blind and he showed us guidance. And what is meant by blindness over here? Misguidance, that we were in misguidance, the Prophet came, and now we have been shown guidance. As a result, فَقُلُوبُنَا So our hearts, بِهِ مُقِنَاتٌ أَنَّمَا قَالَ وَاقِعُ Our hearts are now certain that whatever the Messenger is telling us is going to happen. Meaning, we are convinced of the truthfulness of the Messenger, whatever he warns us of. We have full conviction, we are certain that it is going to happen. In other words, we don't doubt his word. And then he praises the Prophet, that يَبِيتُ يُجَافِي جَمْبَهُ عَنْ فِرَاشِهِ يَبِيتُ, he spends the night, in what condition? يُجَافِي جَمْبَهُ That he keeps his side away, meaning he keeps his back away, from what? عَنْ فِرَاشِهِ From his bed. In the Qur'an we learn about, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that تَتَجَافَ جُنُوبُهُمْ عَنِ الْمَضَاجِعِ 
right? That they keep their sides away from their beds. And what that means is that they don't lie down in their beds during the night. Meaning instead of sleeping, they spend their night standing before their Lord. Right? So this is what Abdullah bin Rawaha is saying, that the Messenger of Allah spends the night away from his bed, standing in prayer. إِذَا اسْتَثْقَلَتْ بِالْمُشْرِكِينَ الْمَضَاجِعُ At a time when for the mushrikeen, leaving their beds is something very heavy. Meaning for other people, it is unthinkable. That in the night, they don't sleep, instead they worship. They cannot even think about it. But our Prophet of Allah spends the night in prayer and worship. So why is Imam Bukhari mentioning this hadith over here? Why? This hadith in which the poetry of Abdullah bin Rawaha is quoted, what's the relevance? That in his poetry, as he's praising the Prophet ﷺ, he's mentioning his night prayer. Right? And Abdullah bin Rawaha is praising this habit of the Prophet ﷺ, and that is the chapter heading. That the excellence, the virtue of the one who wakes up in the night and prays salah. So we learn from this that this was the virtuous habit of the Prophet ﷺ. So if we were to do it, Yes, there is virtue in getting up in that, at that time, but there is also virtue in following the way of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. تَبَعُهُ عُقَيْلٌ وَقَالَ الزُّبَيْدِيُّ أَخْبَرَنِ الزُّهْرِيُّ عَنْ سَعِيدٍ وَالْأَعْرَجِ عَنْ أَبِي هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ. Another chain of narration is mentioned over here. The next hadith, حَدَّثَنَا أَبُوَ النُّعْمَانِ حَدَّثَنَا حَمَّادُ بْنُ زَيْدٍ عَنْ أَيُّوبٍ عَنْ نَافِعٍ عَنْ إِبْنِ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ So Nafi' reported from Abdullah bin Umar رضي الله عنه قال, he said, رَأَيْتُ عَلَىٰ عَهْدِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ I saw during the time of the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم and he's mentioning his dream that in my dream I saw that كَأَنَّ I saw in my dream that there was in my hands a piece of silk. So in his dream he saw that there was something in his hand that looked like a piece of silk, a cloth. فَكَأَنِّي لَا أُرِيدُ مَكَانًا مِنَ And it was as if that I did not wish to go to any place in Jannah إِلَّا طَارَتْ إِلَيْهِ Except that that piece of cloth, it flew me to that place. So this is his dream, that he is in Jannah, and he's flying around in Jannah. Alright? And how is he flying around in Jannah? That he's holding a silken piece of cloth, and wherever he wishes to go, that cloth flies him there. Okay? This was his dream. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it a reality for all of us. وَرَأَيْتُكَ أَتَيَانِ And he said that I also had a dream. Now he's mentioning another dream. So in one dream he saw that he was going flying around in paradise. And in another dream he sees that وَرَأَيْتُ كَأَنَّ ثَنَيْنِ أَتَيَانِ That two people came to me in my dream. أَرَادَ أَنْ يَذْهَبَ بِي إِلَى النَّارِ Who wanted to take me to the fire. فَتَلَقَّاهُمَا مَلَكٌ So an angel met them. فَقَالَ لَمْ تُرَعْ And then that angel said to me, do not be afraid. خَلِّيَا عَنْهُ And that angel said to those two men that leave him alone. So you see what's happening? In another dream he sees that two people are taking him to the fire 
and an angel comes and says, don't be afraid. And he says to those two, leave him. Don't take him. So, very different dreams, right? In one dream, he's seeing he's flying around in Jannah. In another dream, he sees that he's being taken to the fire. This is very frightening. فَقَصَّتْ حَفْصَتُ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So what happened? Abdullah bin Umar, he mentioned his dream to his sister, and his sister Hafsa radiallahu anha, informed of this dream to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, إِحْدَى رُؤْيَايَ One of my two dreams. She didn't tell him about both the dreams, but only one of the dreams. And which one was that? The one about the fire. Because we read this in another hadith previously. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, نِعْمَ الرَّجُلُ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ What an excellent man Abdullah is, لَوْ كَانَ يُصَلِّ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ If only he would pray during the night. Meaning he's a very good man, but if he would pray in the night, if he would make this a habit, this would be a much better thing for him. So what happened then? The narrator, Nafir, he says, فَكَانَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ يُصَلِّي مِنَ اللَّيْلِ So then, Abdullah رضي الله عنه would pray in the night. Then he would pray. He would not leave the night prayer. Then he made it a habit. What happens with us is that if we see a good dream, we only remember that. And we say, no, no, I'm a good person, it's okay. I'll be fine. Alright? And then when we have these scary dreams, right, or we see any fault in us or any shortcoming in us, we kind of neglect that. We're like, it's okay. Isn't it? We pay more attention to what is positive and we pay less attention to what is negative. It doesn't mean that we should dwell on our negativities or our shortcomings. No, we don't dwell on them, but we work on them. And this is what we see Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu doing. He's not relying on the good dream that he had. Right? He is changing his course of action based on what? The frightening dream that he had. And even in that frightening dream, it wasn't that he saw himself in the fire. No, he was saved. He was protected. So again, he could have said, Oh, you know what? I'm not actually going to go there. This is what we would think. Right? So he is being so cautious. And when the Prophet ﷺ advised that he should pray in the night, Abdullah bin Umar anhu, he stuck to that. He started praying in the night. وَكَانُوا لَا يَزَالُونَ يَقُصُونَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ الرُّؤْيَا And Nafir said that they used to, meaning the Sahaba would, always, لَا يَزَالُونَ meaning they would always, يَقُصُونَ they would narrate عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ الرُّؤْيَا They would tell the Prophet صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ about their dreams, meaning whatever dreams that they had. أَنَّهَا فِي اللَّيْلَةِ السَّابِعَ مِنَ الْعَشْرِ الْأَوَاخِرِ That in their dreams, they saw that it was the 27th of the night. What was the 27th of the night? Laylatul Qadr. Alright? So many times the Sahaba experienced this, that they felt in their dreams, or they experienced in their dreams that Laylatul Qadr was the 27th of the night. So, فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وسلم, He said that, أَرَى رُؤْيَاكُمْ قَدْ تَوَاطَتْ فِي الْعَشْرِ الْأَوَاخِرِ I see that your dreams agree on the last ten nights. فَمَنْ كَانَ مُتَحَرِّيهَا فَلْيَتَحَرَّهَا مِنَ الْعَشْرِ الْأَوَاخِرِ Whoever is looking for it should look during the last ten. So, 
from the different dreams and experiences of the Sahaba, they were leaning towards the fact that maybe the Laylatul Qadr is on the 27th night of Ramadan. But again, the Prophet ﷺ did not say, yes, it's definitely the 27th. He said, it must be one of them, and that is what we have been informed about. So, whoever can strive to find that night should strive. And how do you find Laylatul Qadr? How? By sleeping every night of Ramadan? No. By staying awake in the nights of Ramadan. At least for some part of the night, even if it may be very little. Either at the beginning or towards the end. And when a person continues to do that, then what happens by the end of the month? They feel the Laylatul Qadr. And you may have seen people speak so strongly that I know that last night was Laylatul Qadr. Like they speak with so much confidence. But who can speak with that confidence? Somebody who just randomly started praying in the last 10 nights? Somebody who has been praying from the beginning. So this is the connection here. That when you build this habit of praying in the night, then you also find Laylatul Qadr. Bab al-mudawamati ala rak'atayi al-fajri. Mudawamah. What does mudawamah mean? It's from the word dawam. Okay? And dawam, da'im. You tell me, what is da'im? Everlasting. So mudawama is to continuously do something as a habit on a regular basis. So mudawama ala rak'atiyi al-fajri over the two rak'ah of fajr. Meaning regularly performing the two rak'at of fajr. Which two rak'at is this? The actual two fard? No. The two before the fard. Alright? And mudawama, meaning always observing them, meaning whether at home or while traveling. Whether at home or while traveling. حدثنا عبد الله بن يزيد حدثنا سعيد هو ابن أبي أيوب قال حدثني جعفر بن ربيعة عن عراك بن مالك عن أبي سلمة عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت عائشة رضي الله عنها said that صلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم العشاء the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم performed the Isha prayer ثم صلى ثمان ركعات then he prayed eight ركعات وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ جَالِسًا And two rak'at while sitting. وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ بَيْنَ النِّدَائِينَ And then he performed two rak'ah between the two calls. Between the two calls, meaning the first call being of the adhan of fajr and the second one being of iqama of fajr. وَلَمْ يَكُنْ يَدَعُهُمَا أَبَدًا And he would not ever leave them. Leave what? These two raka'at between the two calls. And that is the sunnah of fajr. So we see that the Prophet ﷺ would perform the two sunnah of fajr when? After the adhan and before the iqamah. Alright? Of course, if it's the sunnah of fajr, then you have to pray once the time of fajr enters. Not before that. Right? And then we see that, that the Prophet ﷺ always performed these two rak'at. Now there is a question here. Earlier also we learned that after the Prophet ﷺ performed the eight rak'at, right, of the hajjah, and then he prayed his witr, then we see that he prayed rak'ataini jalisan. 
two rakat while sitting. You understand what's happening here? By saying that he prayed eight rakat, what she meant is that he performed the night prayer, and of course that ends with the witr. All right, as mentioned in so many other narrations. But then after the witr, the Prophet ﷺ is performing two rakat while sitting. What about the command of the Prophet ﷺ that the last prayer should be witr? Right? And what we understand from that is that after you're done praying for the night, the last thing you do is you pray the witr and after that technically you don't pray. And the next thing you pray after that is your fajr. But we see in many narrations, this is mentioned, that he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prayed two rakah after the witr, after the night prayer. What does this mean? Firstly, remember that this does not contradict his instruction about making the last prayer, the prayer of witr. Alright? Because these two rakat were like a ratiba after a faridah. Okay? For example, we learn that for dhuhr, How many rakat are we supposed to perform? Four. Now technically that means pray four. Stop at four. But then what happens? After we end the four, what do we do? After the adhkar, we pray two more. Right? So this is similar that he prayed his witr, finished the night prayer, and then after that he followed it with two rakat. Okay? So it's similar to how you end your dhuhr, your fard, and then after that you pray two rakah. So he ended his night prayer, and then after that he performed two rakah. Okay? And then we also see that the Prophet ﷺ sat and he performed these two rakah. Why did he sit for these? Either because he must have been tired, right? His night prayer was not like ours. We pray, you know, a page and a half, maybe two pages, right? But what did he do? Sometimes his one rakah would be the entire recitation of the longest surahs of the Qur'an. One rakah. And then not just the qiyam, even the rukur would be equally long. And the sajda would be equally long. So then what do you expect when he's prayed eight rakat And then witr. So can he sit and pray two rakat? Yes. No harm. Okay? And another reason could also be, that these two rakat were of less significance compared to the night prayer. Because remember that when you pray salah sitting, voluntary prayer sitting, then how much reward do you get? Half. So it's as if he's showing that this is of less significance. But this hadith and the other hadith that mentioned that he prayed two rakat after witr, gives us the proof that it is permissible to pray after witr. It's not prohibited. So what happens is that for example, you go to the masjid for taraweeh prayer. And if you want the reward for the entire night, what do you have to do? You begin with the imam and you end with the imam. So, my dear sisters, if you stop after 8 and you're like, no, I'm not going to pray with it and you're just standing there, you did not end with the imam. You know that? You did not end with the imam. You end with the imam as in you stop praying when he stops praying. Okay, So if you want the reward for the entire night, then what do you do? You pray with it with the imam. Okay, now what happens? You prayed your entire 8 rakat or 20 rakat, how much ever. The night is so short. You go home and you sleep and you're feeling guilty. Well, you know what? I should be awake and praying. You don't need to feel guilty. Because you prayed your qiyam in the first part of the night. 
And alhamdulillah, if you started and finished with the imam, you get the reward for the entire night. So don't feel guilty there. Okay? But let's say you're not able to sleep or you're scared that if you sleep, you might not be able to get up for sahur. Right? So it's your duty to stay awake so that you can wake up everybody else. Now you're sitting there and you're falling asleep. You're like, I have to do something to stay awake. Can you pray salah? Can you make use of your time and pray? Yes, you can. Is it prohibited to pray after witr? It's not prohibited. Okay? It's not prohibited. You can, alright? But also know that if you began and ended the, the prayer with the imam, inshallah you have the reward for the entire night. So if you have to sleep, then sleep in peace. Alright? Not with guilt. And if you don't get up and pray in the last part of the night, again, don't feel guilty at that time. You can spend that time in the recitation of the Qur'an, in making dua. Alright? Because the night worship is not limited to just praying salah. Remember that. The worship of the night is not just tahajjud or praying salah. It includes other acts of worship also. Which is why we learned that in one of the ahadith that I mentioned to you earlier, in the last third of the night, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls His servants, right, inviting them to ask Him, He also says, is there anyone who will lend a loan to the one who is not poor? This is an invitation to give sadaqah. Right? You can also give sadaqah in the last third of the night. Even that would be an excellent good deed. So it's not just salah. You can recite the Qur'an, you can make dua, you can listen to some reminder, you can seek ilm. Alright? Sahur bil staying up in the night for the sake of learning, knowledge, even that is virtuous. And Imam Bukhari mentions that in his book, in Kitabul Ilm. Alright? But in general, we, we learn from this hadith that you are allowed to pray two rak'ah after your witr. Bab al-dij'ati ala shiq al-ayman. Al-dij'ah. Dij'ah is to lie down. How? Ala shiq al-ayman. On the right side. So lying down on the right side, ba'da raka'atay al-fajri. After the two raka'at of fajr. Meaning, once you perform the two sunnah of fajr, right, what should you do? Lie down on your right side. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ did that. حدثنا عبد الله ابن يزيد حدثنا سعيد بن أبي أيوب قال حدثني أبو الأسود عن عروة بن الزبير عن عائشة رضي الله عنها عائشة رضي الله عنها reported قالت she said كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would that إذا صلى ركعتي الفجر when he would perform the two ركعة of fajr اتجع على شقه الأيمن he would lie down on his right side so this is also a sunnah that we should try to observe. But if you know that you are going to fall asleep, huh? then maybe lean on something, okay, on your right side or, you know, or just as soon as you lie down, you say your dua and you just get up right away. Don't stay lying down. Okay? Don't stay lying down. Because sometimes what happens is that a person wants to observe the sunnah and then they miss their fard. Okay? So lie down with your eyes open, okay? Say your dua and then get up and pray your fajr, your salah. So the Prophet ﷺ would do this, he would lie down until the mu'addin came 
to give the iqama for salah. But we also see that the Prophet ﷺ did not command that this should be done. He did it, but he did not instruct the people that you must do this. Right? So this means that it is not wajib, it's not mandatory. It is definitely a sunnah. So if you do it, great. But if you don't do it, because you know that every time you do it, you fall asleep, okay? then there's no harm. We also see that the Prophet ﷺ at this time also, he would lie down on his right side. Right? And lying down on the right side is something that the Prophet ﷺ even commanded us to do. So in a hadith we learned, the Prophet ﷺ was talking to Bara bin Azib anhu, And he told him that when you go to bed, when you have to go to bed, make wudu, lie down on your right side, with your hand over here, and then say this dua. So we see that in that hadith also, he said, lie down on your right side. What was his action? He would lie down on his right side. So then what should we do? What should we do? Lie down on our right side also. But what if during the sleep or during the night, you kind of turn to your left temporarily because your right side is now hurting. Can you do that? Yes, you can. But the point is that when you go to bed in order to sleep, don't lie down on your left or on your back or on your stomach. Alright? How should you lie down? On your right side. باب من تحدث بعد الركعتين ولم يطجع من تحدث The one who spoke بعد الركعتين after these two rak'at. Which two rak'at? The sunnah of fajr. وَلَمْ يَطَّجِرْ And he did not lie down. Would that be okay? Yes. So Imam Bukhari is indicating by this bab that it is not a must to lie down on one's right side after the sunnah of fajr. حدثنا بشر بن الحكم حدثنا سفيان قال حدثني سالم أبو النضر عن أبي سلمة عن عائشة رضي الله عنها أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان إذا صلى سنة الفجر عائشة رضي الله عنها said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم whenever he would pray the sunnah of fajr فإن كنت مستيقظة if I was awake حدثني he would speak to me وإلا and if not meaning if I was not awake I was sleeping what would he do? Ittaja'a, he would lie down, hatta yu'dhana bis-salah, until the prayer was announced, meaning the iqama was made. So what do we see here? The Prophet ﷺ would sometimes lie down after sunnah, and other times he would not. When would he lie down? When Aisha would be sleeping. And when would he not lie down? When she would be awake. Right? And when she would be awake, he would not lie down. And what would he do? He would talk to her. Right? So what do we see? If the Prophet ﷺ was the only one awake at this time, he would spend that time resting. And if Aisha was also awake, then he would spend that time talking to her. So can you talk to your spouse between your sunnah and fard? Or should you be like, hmm, I'm doing my azkar. Don't disturb me. That's what happens, right? That's what happens. That sometimes we're so engrossed in our ibadah that we're like, you know what? You don't exist for me. 
But the Prophet ﷺ, imagine, he prays his two rak'at, he has to go to the masjid, but between that time, what is he doing? Talking to his wife, if she is awake. Not waking her up and saying, you talk to me. No. If she is awake, then he would talk to her. And if she was lying down, then he would also lie down. And this shows us his beautiful akhlaq, as it is obvious, right, from so many ahadith. And it also shows the permissibility of talking between sunnah and fard. Okay, the permissibility of talking between sunnah and fard. And also the fact that it is not mandatory to lie down on one's right side after the sunnah of fajr. Okay.